The third case for argument is 22-2005 from the District of South Dakota, United States versus D.B. May it please the court, Mr. Kelderman. Uh, Your Honor, this is a juvenile case. Um, he was uh, charged with burglary, assault with a deadly weapon, and assault resulting in a serious bodily injury. There was a couple defendants um, in this case. Um, he was in custody from, once this case was charged out, he was in custody from 7-29-21 to 9-16-21. Um, those are important dates. Um, on 8-4-21, the trial was scheduled for 8-31, okay, a little while later. Uh, the motions and subpoenas were due on 8-13. I had not received all the discovery in the case yet, so I made a motion on 8-13, or prior to 8-13, for three days, and I, th I think I made the motion on 8-13, for three days to review the discovery to file a motion to suppress. On uh, 8-16, um, I filed, as I said I would, the motion to suppress and for the subpoenas to be issued. Um, on 8-16, then, uh, the, trial the, the trial court um, continued uh, the case and um, uh, in the interest of justice. Now, I don't know what the interest of justice was at that particular point in well, time. Well, isn't that to consider your motion to suppress? I mean, huh? Is it arguably to consider your motion to suppress? Well, it, it may have been, but the government on on uh, on eight thirty one they they withdrew the motion to suppress, and this is a trial to the court. A motion to, a motion to suppress can be held at the same time. As as the hearing in well, the case, it can These are, be, but often it's dispositive, isn't it? it? It can resolve the entire case pre-trial. I I don't know if that would have been dispositive or not. Well, but you it, know, I moved agree to it the, could be. I mean, yeah, I, I suppose. Before that has, but been. we don't know what the judge said in this case. So let me that. ask you: Why isn't uh, a motion to suppress filed by you a delay caused by the juvenile or his attorney? Why is that? Uh, I mean, you're seeking pretrial determination of a particular legal issue. Um, and now, you know, it's true that it could have been resolved at trial. But why doesn't that trigger the, a delay caused by the juvenile's attorney? Well, first of all, I think that the, had the, had the case, we didn't consent. We didn't ask for continuance. Nobody, the government or I, nobody consented to the continuance. So um, you're saying that ever any move that a that a juvenile makes under five thirty fifty thirty six is in the interest? I'm at, no, I'm asking you the question: and why wasn't the delay while the court considered your pending motion attributable to you? I I think you have to look at the facts. I mean, I don't think just because you file a motion, it's 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 attributable to me and its implicit uh, request for continuance in the case, is w which is what you're really saying in this case. Well, I'm not saying it. I'm just asking. Yeah. You. And uh, so um, 
if 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 you're accurate, if that's if that uh, is the interest of justice, then then probably um, all of there, there's more time that would be that would be taken, um, and it would probably be uh, uh, not subject to dismissal on for, under the 30-day rule. But it's certainly not a. It was certainly, you know, <laughs> there, there's no other facts to show that we contributed, we consented, uh, or that um, this case was uh, was uh, needed to be postponed in the interest of justice. Um, uh, Mr. Pichetta, why, I, if I understand your argument, assuming that there was um, a violation. Do I understand you to say that you believe it's jurisdictional and that the the, the case should have been dismissed? I am. And why? What is the distinction then between a juvenile and an adult uh, in, in criminal court? Because uh, an adult can waive a speedy trial, right, um, through a plea agreement, through pleading guilty. Why is it different with a juvenile? Oh, well, I think a juvenile, uh, an attorney for a juvenile can probably do the same thing. You know, I'm not saying that the juvenile, that an attorney can't waive the 30-day requirement. I think the question in this case, as Judge Kobus, uh, says, is whether or not a motion to dismiss, you know, without any, uh, without any request for a continuance or anything else, uh, you know, these juvenile trials are, are, are basically through in a, you know, in a, in a half a day or a day. So. Well, I, okay. So, so assuming, assuming a violation, then your client entered a guilty plea, correct? He, they entered a guilty plea on 12-3 of 21. And so why does it, why doesn't that waive the, 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 um, the issue because my argument was that uh, the 30 days expired before that and everything after uh, uh, 9-1 was a nullity the court didn't have any jurisdiction after that because it was because it was um, he had not been tried within 30 days but I, I, I thought Judge Kelly's question that maybe I'm botching it Judge Kelly I Apologize, but the adult speedy trial is not jurisdictional. So the question is, why is the juvenile? Why is your argument jurisdictional here? You're arguing it's a nullity, which implies it's jurisdictional. But in the adult context, it is not jurisdictional, and it can be waived in a subsequent plea agreement. If you if you if you look at the last sentence of fifty thirty six, I think that it says that if in fact you're not tried within thirty days. Then the case has to be dismissed, and except for extraordinary circumstances, it cannot be refiled. That's that, in my opinion, is a is a uh, requirement that uh, you uh, you uh, try the case within thirty days, or you lose jurisdiction. If you're right, then there's not a problem <laughs> to to be accurate. I have nothing further, Your Honors. All right. Well, thank you for your argument.
May it please the court and counsel. Your honors, 15 days elapsed on the speedy trial clock pursuant to the provisions of 18 U.S.C. section 5036. I'm going to go into that in just a moment. But through different cases, I guess different case law, and it's not, it's escaping me at the moment, and it wasn't in the United States brief. It's just something that I thought of as counsel was discussing this. A case doesn't get dismissed until the court says that it's dismissed. It takes a motion from the United States. It takes a motion by a defendant. But it doesn't happen automatically under any circumstances. I can't think of a single instance where I've ever heard of that happening. But again, the case law on that escapes me. Here, 5036 does say that the case has to be dismissed absent extraordinary circumstances. But the defense did not give the court the opportunity to make any of those findings, to say, well, there are no extraordinary circumstances here, or didn't even allow the court to actually make a ruling on whether the speedy trial clock had expired in this case. There were no findings about what time should have been excluded from that 30-day calculation based on the defendant's pending motion or any other things like that. We just simply do not know because counsel filed the motion to dismiss, and then eight days later, the defendant pleaded guilty and waived it, waived the speedy trial violation. I say that because case law is clear that in the context of adult speedy trial violations, they are not a jurisdictional defect where the court loses jurisdiction or this court would lose jurisdiction. That comes from United States v. Griffin, 668 F. 3rd, 987 in 2012, that it's non-jurisdictional, a speedy trial act violation. But this is a statutory provision that is particularly focused on the juvenile, and you've noted the last line which says, except in extraordinary circumstances, it will be dismissed. It may not be reinstated. So we're in a different world. Wouldn't you agree we're in a different, at least statutory world with different priorities because of a juvenile? Indeed. I agree, Your Honor, that it is different. The provisions are different than 18 U.S.C. 3161, I believe it's H, where all the different reasons for continuing a trial are listed and outlined. It is a different situation. But in order for it to be dismissed with prejudice and to never be brought again, some findings do have to be made because the district court would have to say, I don't find any extraordinary circumstances. My reason for saying this is that everything about this, if Mr. Pechota, if D.B. was correct and there was a violation, the motion was pending. But eight days later, a plea agreement got filed. And so... And I have a question about sort of the timing on this. I mean, at 30 days is pretty quick, I think, probably in criminal court for adults, 70 days seems very fast. And so to turn this around in 30 days and then start sort of, you know, well, you filed a motion and we've got to get the government to respond and then we've got to get a hearing, that can eat up a lot of time. In your experience with these kinds of cases, how is that factored into the court's docket and the litigant's practice to make sure that just the simple filing of a motion to suppress 
for example, wouldn't just eat up the entire 30 days? Uh, in my experience, uh, a pending motion in an adult case would stop the clock, certainly for the statutorily uh, permitted amounts of time, uh, where I believe under 3161H7, uh, the time from the filing of the motion until its prompt resolution, which uh, sometimes has different time limits to it, but until that motion is resolved, all of that time is excluded from the 70-day clock. What, uh, right, and so I'm just sort of trying to understand how that trans translates into a statute that, at least in, in my view, its goal is to get this juvenile through the trial as quickly as, as possible. Well, uh, uh, do you have experience with these on how 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 the district courts are, are handle that? I I have some I have quite a bit of experience, I guess, in the adult world, limited in the juvenile world. But there are so few cases where no motion is brought, no uh, suppression motion, or some other kind of uh, dispute arises. And so, in my experience, yes, the, the clock does stop when those things happen, juvenile or adult. And so, I believe that uh, the same standards apply here. Uh, and if I may, I'm going to... What I'd like to do is to explain uh, why the clock never expired in this case. Because 5036 has a provision in it that is not contained in 3161, or it's not a requirement under uh, the Speedy Trial Act uh, for adults. And that is, uh, 5036 requires that an alleged delinquent who is in detention pending trial has to be brought to trial within 30 days. In this case, uh, DB was taken into custody approximately 15 days later. The defense moved uh, for an extension of time to file a suppression motion and then filed the suppression motion. Those things happened after approximately 15 days had gone by. But those motions remained pending. Uh, and even the United States' withdrawal of its resistance to the motion to suppress was not until August 31 of 2021. Three days later, uh, the defense filed a motion requesting release. So that motion, while the suppression motion was still under consideration before uh, the district court had ruled on that, the defense filed a motion for release. That motion for release was granted on September 16. So the clock hadn't started running again from the suppression motion nor from the motion for release. The clock stopped at that 15 days in the middle of August, and it did not start running again uh, at any point, actually, uh, because the juvenile was released. And that stopped the clock from running. And I'm saying that that comes from uh, the very statute, 5036. Uh, after the briefing in this case, I noticed a case called United States versus Cheyenne. It's 558 F2nd, 902. And I'm at, nine, at pages 907 and 908. It's a 1977 case. Uh, the defendant there, the juvenile there, was taken into custody, was in custody for 24 days, then requested to be allowed to go to a treatment center uh, uh, for a study at a correctional center. So the uh, juvenile wasn't in custody. The juvenile was in that center for 45 days, then was brought back, placed in custody for five more days, and then was granted bond, was let out, and was released. 
And the court said there was no violation of not bringing that juvenile to trial within 30 days because only 29 days had run off the clock. The initial 24 and the additional five that came later. After that, and for the rest of the time, the juvenile was not in custody and the clock was not running on that juvenile. Same situation applies here. Uh, 15 days in, the defense started making motions after he had been in custody for 15 days. There was no unreasonable delay in the amount of time that it took the district court to consider and look into these motions. Uh, the United States responded promptly and then promptly informed the court that it was going to withdraw its resistance. By that time, or within two days, three days of that, the defense moved for release. And the district court still had not acted on the motion to suppress. It still hadn't granted it. Uh, and the magistrate judge didn't do an R&R on it until, I believe, September 1 of 2021. The whole point is, after the middle of August, the clock did not start running again. The defendant was not, DB was not in custody. And then in early October, he signed a plea agreement, waiving all defenses and non-jurisdictional issues. Uh, Griffin says that Speedy Trial Act, again, in the context of adults, is not a jurisdictional matter. Even if it is a jurisdictional matter, the defendant needed to let the court rule on it. It wasn't dismissed just by virtue of a running of a number of days. It still required a court order, uh, I guess, under any considerations of motions to dismiss or dismissals that I have ever heard of. Uh, and so the United States submits that the Speedy Trial Act, juvenile speedy trial clock was not violated and asks that the court affirm. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. Pachota, do you, you have some rebuttal? Oh, not very much, Your Honor. Uh, the, uh, the, the, the motion to dismiss was actually denied as moot on 1220. And um, I don't think... That you can that that you can avoid the speedy trial issue by letting someone out and then saying that the time starts running uh, from that point in time after that point after he gets released when the speedy trial act uh, the thirty days has already expired before he's released which happened in this case so that's all I have. Thank you. Thank you to both counsel uh, for your arguments here today, and we'll take the matter under advisement.